0: of the parkscope unprofessional podcast hour my name is joe joining me tonight is nick nick man how are you doing
1: i'm doing
0: good joe how are you dude i'm i'm hanging in there it seems like we just talked recently i don't know why i know i know i don't know really, I like, really it. Odd. like just very closely from like now. 12 hours no, not 12 24 hours ago yeah yeah something yeah. like that something. probably just yeah. time flies
1: time really does fly
0: also joining no, us today i don't
1: know <laughs>
0: well, work. Yeah, work, well, work always draws that out a
1: bit. So. Dude, I had nothing to do. I sat there all day with nothing to do. I was bored out of my mind.
0: So you're Sean, so you can just jump on Twitter and just reply to everybody. Much. Okay, just want to make sure. Mm-hmm. Also joining us tonight, talking about special topics, is uh, Dave Doubt from the Twitter uh, Illusion of Life, I believe. Yeah, Illusions of Life, Illusion a Life with of being a zero. Um, Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm happy to be here. Yes, thank you for uh, joining us. You actually messaged us and were like, hey, I want to come on and talk about stuff. So like, cool, we have someone besides Seth and Derek who wants to come on. (laughs) So it's always good. Uh, So tonight, uh, I think we're going to talk about some uh, concepts and ideas for studio parks. Uh, Especially the um, kind of the thing in the... I don't know, the mid-80s to early 90s of the building of studio parks, uh, studio parks that have studios actually attached to them, ones that don't, um, and everything in between, including everything kind of going to themed lands. Um, so, uh, Dave, can you do you want to start off a little bit of kind of your thoughts and we can interject and just see how the conversation flows? Or how do you want to do this?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing is, is that... Uh, I mean, the first one would be really uh, Universal Studios Hollywood, right? That would be... St- uh-huh. That was basically the first one, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, and then they uh, there's that whole push in the mid to late 80s of, oh, Florida is going to become Hollywood East, and all the production is going to move down there. And that happened for like a week and a half before they decided that it wasn't really going to work.
1: And so... <laughs> okay.
2: And so now we have these two studio theme parks where one of them isn't even doing production stuff at all, and the other one is doing it just a little bit. And so the whole identity of these two parks has sort of been forced to change over the years, and one of them has handled it well, and the other one not really so much. And I think you can draw your own conclusions which ones I'm referring to there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much.
2: Yeah, but uh I mean, uh Disney's Let's, Hollywood's Oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: Uh do you want to start off with the uh, USH first?
2: Uh the Hollywood Park?
0: Yeah, sure.
2: Um Hollywood Universal Studios Hollywood is an interesting park because it it does a lot right, but it also does a lot wrong. Um as as a park that is still in the middle of a functioning studio, it is that's its big appeal. I mean, the big attraction there is the studio tour, and that is still really neat. You uh, you get to see stuff from... Uh, you get to tour sets that are not only from classic movies, but stuff that's actually being in use right now, and that's that's really neat. But the downside of it being in a functioning studio is that they don't really have a lot of space to do elaborate theming like they're able to in places like Disneyland or Universal Studios Florida. And so you, you have sort of this, uh, there's sort of a feeling of, I mean, there's the common, uh, gripe against universal that, Oh, everything screens. And, uh, although I don't have a ton of experience with, uh, universal Orlando, if you guys, uh, make good points that it's really not just screens there is a lot of stuff they do that breaks out beyond that but that criticism feels a lot more valid in hollywood just because of their space limitations there's a lot of uh boxes with simulators inside without a lot of exterior theming and that is a little bit of a problem that being said though uh they do have one of my favorite attractions in the world, uh, which is Jurassic Park, the ride. And for my money, that ride is by itself better than any single ride at California Adventure for what it's worth.
0: Ooh. That's that's high praise. <laughs> you mean you don't like Waterworld that much? <laughs> you know, our, 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 our Inside Universal guys are going to be real pissed about that. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs>
2: Waterworld is good. It's It's not my favorite, but it's good.
0: I haven't Uh, seen it yet. I haven't been out to the the, the Hollywood Park. And that's something that's always been interesting to me is that I've never been out to that park because um, I've been out uh, to California twice to go to the parks. Uh, Actually, no, three times. One time we just did Disneyland with my family, and then two times I went with my buddy out there who works at Disneyland. And uh, both times I was like, hey, do you want to go to Universal Studios Hollywood? And he's like, nah, it's not worth it, or, you know, all that stuff. So I've always found that really interesting, just kind of... The park yeah, itself.
2: Yeah, it, it's worth seeing, and I'm I'm looking forward to what they're doing with it because it sounds like they're really trying to address some of those issues that I brought up where it does feel like a bunch of simulators in boxes and they're really trying to... It, it sounds like they're really trying to bump up the exterior theming as much as they possibly can and bring in some new stuff. Like, uh, bringing Harry Potter out to Hollywood is going to be such a huge deal. And, I mean disney right now is enjoying the success of cars land and cars land is good but i think uh they're really going to need to step up their game once harry potter comes out here
0: i agree um the big thing with uh i mean especially if if it's anything like some of the uh uh, uh japan pictures that just came out
1: oh good um, lord that thing looks beautiful
0: I mean, oh yeah. Well, Hollywood has the land to do the whole entire reflection pool, and I think they have the op... like I don't know if I don't know with the hill- hillside if they could do it, but they can do that reflection pool and just have like three broomsticks just empty out into it, which would be beautiful. Um but I I mean, I've been to Cars Land, I've been to uh Wizarding World. Um I definitely have to say personally, I prefer the wo- Wizarding World. Um mainly because I'm more attached to the franchise. I'm more attached to the characters and everything in there. I think it's a better property. <laughs> I, I think it actually is a property as opposed to Cars, which just mechanical things. a merchandising machine. Yeah, it, it, Cars is simply, these are, these are mechanical things that talk. They're like Tonka Trucks, the movie. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you know, Harry Potter actually has, you know, allegories and symbolism and you know, some sort of, you know, story going on where it kind of builds a whole entire um, world around it. But Cars just seems very, very narrow. Um, And I really think that kind of shows, especially when you look at Cars Land, which is just simply this very narrow road (laughs) that you go up to, to Radiator Springs Racers, and you have two C tickets, B tickets, and, like, a really nice restaurant and a few other things. Up until you get to the major E ticket, which is awesome. I love Raiders, Springs Racers, but it's you know it is what it is. Um,
2: yeah, the the thing about Cars Land is that it makes a really strong first impression. But then after that first impression, you kind of realize there's not a whole lot of substance there. Um, it because when you walk onto the street for the first time, it is like walking into the movie. And even even someone like me who I. I enjoy the movie, the first movie, more than I think some people do, but I'm still not in love with it or anything. Yes,
0: I can agree Uh, with you there.
2: And so, even with sort of my marginal enjoyment of the movie, it was cool to be transported into this world that was, that used to be uh, purely fictional and now it's a real place. And that was impressive. But there's little things that just, it, it, it doesn't have that sense of depth that a lot of the other great uh, themed lands have, and I know Sean was talking about this a few episodes ago. But it it gets it right in the broad strokes, but then it feels like they kind of started to phone it in when it came to the little detail stuff, like uh, like when you're walking down the street, there's some window displays that are just really pathetic. Uh, there's nothing there's nothing of value to look at it. In them, there's one that I swear is just uh, a few containers of Clorox wipes with different labels on them. <laughs> uh, and so where is like in New Orleans Square at Disneyland, I've been going there for basically my entire life and I still occasionally find new things. I'm like, wow, I I never noticed that before. There's a there's depth that I'm still uh, able to mine after all these years where... Uh, Cars Land is only a few years old and I sort of feel like I've seen everything it has to offer
0: yeah I can. I mean I, I went uh, the last time I went to Cars Land was uh, last trip in December and I was there for three days um, j- jumping between uh, California Adventure and Disneyland and I felt like that's more than enough for me I mean like I want to go back on Raiders Springs Racers as much as I can but everything else I just kind of like yeah I did it you know I, I really don't have a urge to eat at uh, flows. I really don't need to do, like, the smoothies, you know, the the, the the cones, the cozy cone. All that food kind of is not that great for me. Um, right. Everything else is just like, oh, okay. I mean, I want to do, um, of all things, I want to do again is the uh, Mater's. Uh, uh, the, the Mater ride. I forget what it's called. Yeah, it's of, yeah, uh, of
2: the
0: two...
2: Yeah, of the two... Uh, B, C, whatever ticket you want to call it, uh, that are there. Mater's Junkyard Jamboree is definitely the one that is more functional than, uh, Luigi's because, I I mean, Luigi's is one of those things that it was a, a fun idea in theory But there's kind of a reason why, uh, the original Flying Saucers never worked and why they abandoned them. And those same reasons are coming back with the flying tires. And I, I think that it'll within a matter of, uh, 10 years at most, they'll have ripped those out and put something else in their place.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. But I mean, I, I really like the ride system at Mater's junk, junk air Jamboree. So that's really cool. But I mean, but what I was just saying was like, you know, I've been there three times over three or four days or whatever. I feel like I'm kind of ex- you know I'm done with it now. Um I feel like I still want to keep going back to yeah I, You know, that's the kind of thing is like I feel like I need to go back. I haven't like I've already eaten at the Three Broomsticks and I've already had like five butterbeers, but I need it more now. <laughs> you know, I need to do Olivanders yeah, again, I need to do Forbidden Journey again. I just don't get that urge that I get at Car- with Carsland.
2: Right, I, I know exactly what you mean. I, I haven't been to Wizarding World myself, but it's it's that same urge that compels me to go back to New Orleans Square time and time again or to yes. uh, spend time in Adventureland or on Main Street or on over at California Adventure on Buena Vista Street. And there's just not that... Again, it's uh, Cars Land does a lot right, but they sort of missed the point, I think, in a lot of the little things. I mean, even... Even the music loop is bad. It, it doesn't... It, it doesn't encourage... It, it doesn't create an atmosphere as much as it just sort of grates on your nerves a little bit.
0: Yeah. I think one of the little things I missed was uh, some of the, uh, the the entertainment on the street. I think, like, one of them was the random kind of... Uh, the, the like the dj car or whatever it was like oh that's like, so bad it's just like it doesn't fit it was never in the movie and they just added it because why not yeah it, it just it's... seemed really random and bizarre and it just uh it just doesn't make sense
1: so it, <laughs> it just, just felt, felt like, like disney it
0: just, just... felt it, fe- it felt very this is what kids like so we're going to fit it in there somehow you know that kind mm-hmm. of thing
1: that's Disney's go-to thing is a, a DJ with a dance party, though. If they don't know what to do with the space, put a DJ and a dance party there. That's what they do. Yeah, what is the deal with all the dance parties?
2: I mean, I know Mad Tea Party makes absurd amounts of money, but it seems like these things are – you're right, Nick. It sounds like uh, – it, it seems like these are sort of their go-to things. It's like, ah, oh, we don't really know what to do here. Why not I a sh- dance party? I
0: really, did, I <laughs> really do feel like it started with Glow in the Show. Glow with the Show. Um, that made so the much years? money. No, 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 no. Glow with the show was um uh, not glow with the show. Or uh, um uh, glowfest. Fest. Sorry, my oh, apologies. Glow Fe- yeah. Yeah, 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 Glowfest, the original uh, world of color, um pre-show. I feel like that made some gobs and gobs of money. That I feel like everyone kind of like was like, hmm. Let's look at this. How did this work well? Well, was it because we had this great show they're going to go after afterwards, or was it because we had a good entertainment? Was it because we had good drinks and food? No, it's because we had a DJ who was playing music. Yes, that has to be the reason. <laughs> so you know, and, the, and then they do electronica, which I hear was amazing. I never got to see it. See, um, and then all this you know awesome stuff, and then it just seems like they never got the right reason why th- that took off.
2: You know, Wait, you mean you mean Disney missed the the point of why something was successful? <laughs> yeah, I'm,
0: I'm shocked. Or they purposefully ignored it for their own benefit. Who'd have thought? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is more likely, but whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I just feel like that's the issue. Is like they kind of look at things and they, un- they kind of understand. I-, I feel like Disney is run by aliens who look at human <laughs> culture and then interpret it in some weird way and then define it and then implement it. And they're like, yes, this is how... This is how the humans will like us now and appreciate us. You know, I, I feel like that it is now. It's like, yes, they like the dance parties from 300 feet away. So they will like the dance parties three here. So here we go. Let's put dance parties in. You know, it, it feels like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it just reminds me exactly of LeFou's brew and all that stuff. Because mm-hmm. I, I remember the whole entire definition of LeFou's brew was, well, all of a sudden, two years ago, all these people really liked beverages with foam on top. So we made one, too. It's like, you don't get it, do you? <laughs> right. It's not the foam that was the appeal. Or or even fancy beverages. It's the fact it was butterbeer. Right. <laughs> and no one cares about the scrappy little sidekick that gets kicked around by Gaston having a crappy mango-flavored drink around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hmm Bingo. Anyway, sorry. Studio Parks. <laughs> We kind of went on a tangent there. Um, so with Hollywood, any anything else we should touch there, Dave? Um,
2: well, I th- I think, and it from what I understand of the plans, and I haven't looked at them too thoroughly, but I from what I've seen, it seems like they're mostly focusing on the upper lot uh, because Studios Hollywood is sort of divided into uh, two sections. Uh, there's the upper lot and the lower lot, and uh, the lower lot still has a lot of the uh, studio space that they're actively using, where the upper lot doesn't as much. And so it seems like uh, the upper lot's really the only place where they can make a lot of these changes. So uh, Transformers and The Mummy and Jurassic Park are probably going to stay relatively the same. Um, They might get a few improvements here and there, but it sounds like a lot of the focus of the change is going to be on the upper lot, which makes sense to an extent.
0: Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Nick, do you have any questions? No. I really don't have anything else to add after all my talking.
1: <laughs> so, the second <laughs> studio park to open, Disney's MGM Studios.
2: Yeah, and that was, uh, again, like I was saying earlier, there was this whole attempt to... uh move production over to florida and they uh disney opened up a whole new branch of their animation department and they made uh several high-profile movies out of their um it's ever good ones then, yeah good ones too i mean mm-hmm. uh lilo and stitch wasn't wasn't that one of the ones that was done primarily uh, after,
0: yes pocahontas after i think was too a few wasn't lead? no i think that was actually i don't know
2: yeah i'm I'm not sure about that one um i, I wasn't uh Tarzan like a, a joint operation between uh Florida and Paris yeah that sounds Florida.
0: familiar something was yeah but so
2: they they did good stuff out of there and uh they it was functional for a while and the idea of a studio park actually made sense there for a while but then they just shut down all the production and that whole part of the studios I- of that park's identity just left and so you you and they tried to repurpose a lot of that space for attractions but you have this really weird park now where only about half of it is designed as a theme park the rest of it is repurposed backstage areas uh and it just doesn't really work. And uh, I mean, nothing is more telling than the recent anniversary celebration where it was just so intentionally generic because there's nothing that they could, uh, there's no identity of the park that they can celebrate right now.
0: And also, I mean, when the park opened, it was very, very obviously split between the realm of fantasy and reality. Mm -hmm. that gate was that separation and now that's gone yeah and then so so then when that's dead you know it's like so what's going on you know how how else does it work i mean and they tried, tried to rebuild it a little bit but still it's pretty much gone now so yeah
2: and it's i mean a lot of it also has sort of the uh the same problems that DCA had when that park was struggling where it's like, okay, we, w- this park is having a problem. We are going to try to put a bandaid over it to fix it. But that bandaid doesn't really solve the problem. It just sort of creates its own new problems. I, like going back to DCA, uh, I mean, there is the big complaint early on that, oh, there's not enough stuff for kids to do. So, okay, let's, make a whole new section for kids in a bug's land and it, and so they take this spot of land that is really too small to do anything of value. Uh, and they put in four, three or four off the shelf attractions and, uh, they do some theming and it, it worked to an extent. It, it did get some more stuff for kids to do, but it's not a long-term fix. And now that they've gone in and done long-term fixes for a lot of the rest of the park, it just feels really out of place now. And a lot of that same stuff, I feel, happened in uh, DHS, where I mean, you've got uh, y- you've got things like Pixar Place, where. I mean, obviously, Toy Story Midway Mania is insanely popular over there, but you have this whole... You've got this whole section of the park that is pretending to be a land, but it's really just a facade for one attraction.
1: Uh Mm Mm-hmm.
2: And and so there... It definitely needs uh, the same sort of deep cleaning that DCA got, but I'm afraid that... They're not going to do that, that they're just going to throw another Band-Aid on it. Granted, this is a big Band-Aid, but I I think just doing Star Wars Land uh, without addressing the rest of the park would be just another Band-Aid on the park.
0: Well, I mean, the issue with that, then, is then what's the scope of, of Star Wars Land? So, I mean, considering that, you know, Avatar Land has continuously been said to be shrinking or whatever in size and all that stuff... You know, Mm -hmm. like, are we just going to see them close down Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular and put in a speeder bike coaster? And there we go. Star Wars land, everyone. You know, are they like, what is that going to be? And I think that's a real big problem because, um, again, the park has no identity. Um, And just it feels like it's still designed from 20, 30 years ago. It mm-hmm. seems like everyone has moved away from the entire idea of a kid's land and an, a teenager's land and an adult's land. I feel like that's like the stereotypical itchy and scratchy land concept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like that everyone's moved away from that. And I feel like Cars Land has addressed that a little bit with some of the attractions that don't require. Well, I don't know if Mater and all the other ones requ- have a high requirement, but they're very low.
2: Yeah, I think both of those two do have height requirements, but they are really low.
0: It's one of those, like, 28 inches kind of things. Something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, something ridiculously low. So if you can't ride Raider Springs, you still have these other things to do. Same, th- um, Give or take the same thing with um, Wizarding World, where you can't ride Forbidden Journey or Dueling Dragons, you still have Flight of Hippogriff, or you have mm-hmm. Ollivanders. You know, the, the whole entire idea of having these separate you know areas for each uh age group versus having lands for everyone mm-hmm. and then you can just move land to land so. right
2: and that's a flawed concept to begin with because i mean especially disney is uh catering to families and so you i mean that was the famous line from Walt where he wants a place where the parents and the children can have fun together not where they go off to their separate places and have fun separately and so if you're trying to build a family park and you're building whole sections for just the kids or for just the teenagers or for just whoever, then you're kind of failing at that intended purpose.
0: Yeah. And plus, Walt hated Ferris wheels. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So, yeah, take that, DCA. <laughs> uh, do we have any other comments? I'm trying to think if there's anything else about Hollywood studios. Um, oh. da- well, Dave, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I just, something I, I was thinking about as you were talking, um, obviously DCA, um, not DCA, uh, well, Disney's MGM studios, as it was known back then, um, had a huge ambitious expansion plan for a long time. I think that may be the only park that had as many like announced attractions that never opened out of any park, maybe besides Disneyland. Cause you had all of Maroon Studios, which had like two or three attractions in it. That was the Roger Rabbit's, um, simulator, the coaster, and I think something else. Um, you had David Copperfield's underground, like restaurant. You had all of Muppet Studios. That was supposed Dick to come. Tracy. Dick Tracy was supposed to come, which would have been Indiana Jones meets Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger Spin, which would have been the best thing in the world. Um, all these attractions and they never opened oh god yeah if we and, we and, go and, back- and then and then also recently they even leaked the stuff about the monsters inc coaster like a decade ago that's never gonna happen
2: mm-hmm. yeah i mean if you go back through uh the abandoned concepts and some of them even have concept art that you can look at for uh Disney MGM slash Disney's Hollywood Studios it just makes you want to cry because there was so much good stuff that -hmm. they could have put into that park and they just went ahead with other things or in a lot of cases with nothing and it's so I I like to call Hollywood Studios the park where good ideas go to die uh, because there's so many good ideas that have just died on the vine for that park
0: and then for Epcot, that's where the, the park where bad ideas go to die, because it yeah. seems like all the bad ideas go there, and they just like, "No, we're not doing anything." So it's like, okay fine. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, MGM Studios has kind of got an Epcot syndrome where they're just like holding out for the Star Wars weekends, and they're just going for those, you know power plays that keep their attendance up, because if, if that goes away, they're kind of screwed, I feel like. And, from, right. and And rumor has it from people we've heard too, is that their attendance figures are significantly inflated. From what we hear. So this park is not oh, doing sure. well. Um, I don't want to say much beyond that, but it would be one of those things where it's like, wow, you're, you're you're attracting 11 million people per year. You should really get the fire marshal out there to look at this stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those things. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Right.
0: And I mean,
2: uh, the, the classic complaint for Animal Kingdom is that it's a half-day park, but... Uh, I mean if you look at Hollywood Studios they they only have what like six rides. I mean they've got all the shows and stuff but uh if you're looking at just the rides which is the thing that uh most people look at there's not a whole lot to do uh there. I mean I was there what I I think it was last summer and we the day we did Hollywood Studios I think we knocked out all six rides before like uh like 11:30. Uh-huh. And I mean we we spent the rest of the day doing shows and stuff, but if you're really only interested in the rides, there's there's Oops. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lack of content there.
0: Yeah, you didn't head over to Islands Adventure to do Wizarding World. I know. I like, <laughs> you are part of the problem, sir. I am. <laughs> you're an enabler. <laughs>
1: enabler. Fairness, such a funny trying, word, enabler. It is
0: a funny word. <laughs> Sorry, that that was our uh, that was our Edgar Wright joke of the day. So there we go. We're
2: all, we're all set. Um, yeah. Now I'm going to go cry about Ant Man. So I'll be back in a half hour.
0: And, and and I and I assume you saw the video from like two days ago with the seven minute visual comedy thing with Edgar Wright. Maybe. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Good. <sighs> yeah. I'm going to go watch... I, after this, I have to go watch uh, some more uh, World's End and Scott Pilgrim. So, yeah, good times. Anyway, uh, <laughs> enough about sadness. Um, I just feel like the park had so many opportunities to change things, and now they just kind of settled into being the, the Star Wars park and the park where people go to ride that one popular ride. Yeah,
2: it it's... Uh, it, and it's sort of become... In a lot of ways, it's sort of a thematic catch-all where it's like, oh, we, we've built this thing for another park, but it doesn't really fit in any of the other three parks at Walt Disney World, but it's related to a movie. So, oh, we'll put it in the movie park. Uh-huh. And, I mean, that's that's the only reason that Toy Story Midway Mania is there, and obviously that's successful for them. But there's, again, it, it sort of goes back to that lack of identity the park has there's not you you walk through the park and there's aside from uh hollywood boulevard and sunset boulevard to an extent there's no thematic coherence throughout the rest of it yeah
0: sunset boulevard place yeah sunset boulevard minus phantasmic and rock and roll coaster is probably one of my favorite areas in any park because mm-hmm. it's just a beautiful buildup and then you have tower of terror right there that's just like this great buildup and and talk about things that disney world actually gets right as opposed to disneyland tower of terror is like oh yeah prime prime suspect number one because nick you'll understand this when you go and you ride at california but it's just like disney world you just like there's this like you walk up and it's meandering and you it's like a resort, and you walk around, and you kind of go inside. Disneyland. It's like, hey, we have this hotel right on this block, and here's this giant garden that may be a queue line, and you go right inside, and here's this cartoonish, uh, you know, um, boiler room, you know, that's lit up really crazy and has a bunch of crazy sound effects. And yeah, the elevator, it... and the elevator doors don't go to elevators.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't hate. Uh... Tower of Terror at DCA as much as like Sean does, uh, but it's <laughs> so vastly inferior to the original version. I mean, it was it was the cheap version that they had planned for, uh, for Paris, and they... Again, it was another one of DCA's band-aids, where it's like, oh, we mm-hmm. need more attractions for this, so let's grab the cheap version of Tower of Terror from Paris and plop it down here. And whereas in Florida, there's this long, dramatic buildup where it's just looming over Sunset Boulevard the entire time you're walking towards it. Here, you just turn a corner, and oh, there's Tower of
0: Terror. Talking about Paris, since none of us has been there, should we talk about Paris? (laughs) Just, like, real (laughs) quickly? I mean, yeah, sure, the person who's actually been there is not on the podcast right now, but let's try. Um, Right. I I mean,
2: from everything I hear, that's easily the worst park
0: in Disney's lineup. I find it interesting, though, that their Main Street is still a, is still a soundstage. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's an re- interesting idea. It is an interesting idea because it reminds me of Tokyo's kind of all-weather access, mm-hmm. um, where, um, it you know, it, if there was snow or whatever, people could still go in the park. But it just never executed on it well. It never felt complete. It just feels like this black box with... Mm-hmm. Root- it just feels like this black box, and what, what There's like the um, food place in the back, the backstage area near Superstar Limo of um of uh, of California Adventure that used to be there. It was like a food court. Oh yeah, court thing. I forget what it was. It wasn't. It I, wasn't the soap opera bistro. It was that it was, was in the hot. front.
2: I think it was called
0: Hollywood and Dine, another one of... Hollywood uh, and Dine, yeah. DCA's puns. Many brilliant puns. Um, Yeah. It it seems like just like that, but Main Street. You know, so it felt like those facades and the kind of the background just with shops (laughs) is the best way to put it. That's what you walk through.
2: It's... It, it's a weird concept, and I mean, again, I, I haven't been there to see it in person, but it sounds like it doesn't work
0: uh-huh. at all. I, I I don't know why it is. I don't feel like... Because there's, there's two problems, obviously, with the park, and we need to separate the two. Is One is that it was never supposed to be a functioning movie studio. So let's just drop the whole entire charade there. Um, second is, this was back when the late, late, late days of Eisner... Post, you know, 9-11, post Frank Wells, post, you know, everything you can imagine. We're fulfilling a contract to have a second park by this date situation Mm. where he just wanted to put up something incredibly cheap. Um, and, And that's what it feels like and looks like. It's just something incredibly cheap. Right. I mean, they they
2: already cut a ton of corners on the original version of California Adventure, but then this one opened, like you are saying, post-9-11, so they cut even more corners off of that, and you just have something that, from all accounts, is almost entirely bad.
0: A (laughs) circle. Yeah. (laughs) There are no more corners.
1: And the original concept for it was really good, too. Like, the original Disney MGM Studios Europe, that would have been a cool park. But, once again, what they don't know concept? how to execute a studio park. Do you remember huh? what that what concept was, Nick? I'm, I'm not pulling it off the top of my head. <laughs> it was basically what we have in Florida, only f- flushed out like how ours, ours was supposed to be. Um, with all the rides and everything completely done. If you type it in, it, it comes up um, on Google. Type in uh, Disney MGM Studios Europe. There's some concept arts and things like that that will come up when you type it in. But um, It would have been a cool park. As we all rush (laughs) on our laptops, typing
0: in furiously. It's a thing. It's a thing. Hey, look, there's a giant hat in the water area. Who'd have thought? (laughs) I'm just getting old stuff from MGM Studios. (laughs) Hey, do, okay, okay, Let's. this is something I was not going to talk about because I didn't really think about it, but let's bring up this thing, this random-ass thing that came up. Let's talk about the MGM backlot tour that was supposed to go in Burbank. Oh, the original one? The Burbank Studios. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you, do you right. remember this, Dave? The, the, a, a little bit, yeah. Th- this is the one that I was going to have the steak restaurant on the bo- on the boat that was petering off the cliff of the waterfall. The one that Joe Rody had the crazy, like, fever dream, like, description of it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm remembering this all very vaguely. It it was one of those really bizarre ideas, if I remember right.
0: Yeah, it was, there was a, there was the great moments of the movies, there was a Ferris wheel, there was, uh, television studios, tours, and attendance, animation offices, a hotel, retail shopping mall, um, an original studio's back lot uh, another back lot there's movie theater and there is a pleasure island area and then this, then there was the chicken like no it was the beef of the sea restaurant or something crazy like that but like Joe Rody was like going insane about this thing I'm looking at this at Progress City USA um, uh, Mr. Michael Crawford had a great write up of this and link to that is the 35 minute presentation by Joe Rody. Um, or Joe Rode, or however you pronounce his last name. Um, but it's absolutely insane. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's again another part of that Studios Park concept that just never really worked, it seemed like.
2: Yeah, it, it's something that they've always struggled with. Um, and I mean, not the least of their problems is the fact that they've only briefly had one that was in a functioning studio.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, but it's—I I think it's a flawed concept to begin with, because you're you're taking something that is inherently ugly, which is a movie studio, and and trying to make it an environment that people want to spend time in. I mean, that's it, when you're talking about sound stages and movie studios and stuff like that—they're just big beige boxes. There's nothing exciting or magical about it. The magic is what happens inside of them, not the the mm-hmm. studios themselves. And so right. to make a theme park out of that is a flawed concept to begin with. And so I think having a, a park based on the movies is one thing, but trying to have a park based on movie studios is something that is just not necessarily a good idea.
0: Yeah. Um, on Twitter today, someone posted something that I want to bring up. I think I may have retweeted. I forget. But um, another Diz voice on Twitter. He was posting a bunch of uh, U- uh Universal Orlando notes about random stuff like you know lockers. Like their policy on lockers yeah, 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 yeah. is draconian. All that stuff. What he posted was really interesting, and um, I want to bring this up. Um, the problem with studio theme parks is that no one cares how movies are made are made.
2: Yeah, that's uh a fairly accurate uh point because I mean as much as uh geeks like me and I, I'm I, I imagine you guys too, uh get enjoyment out of like the special features and stuff that uh come on yes. the Blu rays and the uh-huh. behind the scenes stuff, for the general audience they don't want that illusion to be broken. They Right. They they want to believe these things are real, and they they almost resent the fact that they are a facade. They they're things that are created by writers and directors and actors, and uh, they they would rather believe that these things are real than the f- fact that they're constructions.
0: Yeah. Or and and also from another perspective is that the the kind of what it takes to get into movie making has changed so much. Over the past 20 years. And it feels really like what used to, you know, with the indie movement, with YouTube, everything, with cheap cameras, it feels like everything that you can do to make a movie is available to everyone right now.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, you can you can go out and shoot uh, a movie on your iPhone and have it be sufficiently good looking uh, for like next to no money at all. Uh, Whereas, I mean, even
0: 10, 20 years ago, that would have been unthinkable. You can make a movie that looks better than Clark's did. Yeah. Which, you know, now, you, know, you just need the writing, you know, chops to do it. But, you know, you know, it's one of those things, which is absolutely incredible is you can make m- better movies now using your cell phone than you can than most people did, you know, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. which is insane. But yeah, I mean, and that was proven by Apple one like Burberry did their like film shoot or something like that. They did, like a, they did like a catwalk video or something and they filmed it all like on massive uh you know the massive camera rigs and everything and they just had these itty bitty iphone 5s attached to them mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it just it's that kind of thing so yeah,
2: hell shots from the event some shots from the avengers were shot on an iphone i mean the avengers yeah. is not the most spectacularly good looking movie ever but it's uh a good movie that made a ton of money. And I mean, parts of it were shot on about the, the cheapest camera you can get.
0: Yeah. And, and and also look at the, uh, Midsummer night's dream, the one he was filming when he was doing that. Oh, right. Uh, the, um, gosh, I, I forget what it was. I'm sorry.
2: uh, Much ado about nothing.
0: Yes. Yes. That one. Sorry. I mean, I mean, it's those kinds of things that you're just seeing popping up now. We're just like, yeah, these guys did it. I mean you see you see this in um, Doctor Horrible sing along blog where, you know, you know, you get some witty work writers, you get some really cheap production going, you get some out of work actors, you're you're ready to go. Everything's you know you know, everything's plugging away, and you can do these things real quick, and everything's available immediately, and it makes sense, and you can do it yourself if, you know, you had the talent, <laughs> which, you know, yeah. it, it seems like it's no longer the technology, it's the talent, and that's the mm-hmm. problem, and and I guess what the next – just throwing this out here as a, as a comment and idea that you guys can discuss is that the problem no longer is how do you make movies. It's like can you guys be the talent,
2: yeah, I, I think that's probably fair. I mean, obviously, there's uh, a ton that goes into making uh, the the big major blockbusters, but there's the barrier of entry is lower than it's ever been before. Like we've been saying, yeah. and it, it really just comes to down to how a how good you are at this and b how good you are at selling yourself. Uh, because, I mean you you can have like the greatest movie ever made but then if nobody sees it you're not doing too good
0: yeah <laughs> but i feel like again it's like music kind of got that threshold movies has a threshold video games are currently high up there right now but i think that threshold's coming down wickedly fast especially with the mm-hmm. independent movement um when you look, when you look at, I mean, like you look at games like Bioshock Infinite that cost like a hundred million dollars reportedly, and you know they sell like five million copies and don't make their money back. But then you get games like you know, uh, Gone Home or The Stanley Parable that you know sell you know a hundred thousand copies at ten fifteen bucks a piece and they've made mint for like the three people who designed it. You know, it's, oh, it, it's that it's that kind of it, thing.
2: It, yeah, and and even stuff like. Uh like Flappy Bird or whatever, the the latest uh, iPhone trend. I mean, that thing couldn't have cost much money to make, and they uh, were making, what was it, like a million dollars a day just Mm -hmm. off of the ad
0: revenue? Yeah, on ads. And that was free. And then you look at something like Threes, where, yeah, it was copied by like 128 and 2048. No, 120, yeah, 128 and then 2048 or something like that. But, you know, Threes makes a bunch of money on the iOS store and the Android store where, you know... Mm -hmm you know it's it's 2 bucks a pop but everyone buys it you know it's mm-hmm. that kind of thing it's the whole entire um uh or or you're looking at you know Simpson's Tapped Out where EA one of their highest like their two most profitable games EA makes right now is FIFA and Simpson's Tapped Out mm-hmm. <laughs> think about that for a second FIFA yeah. and Simpson tap Simpson's Tapped Out <laughs> that's ridiculous <laughs> So, I mean, it's one of those things where I feel like everything is kind of just rushing towards talent. I feel like just, it comes down to talent and like Mm -hmm. that skill. So I think really maybe, do we want to, do you want to touch on Jurassic real quick before we go on to like the future of studio parks or what could be the future? Because you had this down and I think this is a really good point that we brought up in the last episode and. I think you're you and Nick are a better pers- people to talk about than I am. So,
2: <laughs> right, and uh, a couple a couple episodes ago, you guys were talking about sort of the best properties to adapt to theme parks, and I, I think you decided that it was uh, that Harry Potter was the top, and uh, and uh, Simpsons was maybe the second, uh, and. I I would definitely agree with uh, Harry Potter, but I would say it's maybe a toss-up between Harry Potter and Jurassic Park because what you have with Jurassic Park is a property that was basically tailor-made for theme parks. It's yep. a story about theme parks, and so bringing that into the theme park world, you can do basically a one-to-one translation. You don't have to... Uh, change a lot of stuff to make it fit in a theme park you just have to adapt it as you see it on screen and you Mm -hmm. can create this world almost exactly uh, without much compromise there
1: which they've done a really good job at islands of adventures because whenever you walk into jurassic park uh, as a fan of Jurassic Park, it it really sets the mood and the tone. I, I wish there was more to do actually in Jurassic Park. I wish that there was more street atmosphere type things going on, and another ride in there. But it they've done a really good job of recreating that look and feel of Jurassic Park.
2: Yeah, and I I again I haven't been to IOA yet, but I'm I'm really looking forward to that aspect of it because I, I think there's so many cool things you can do with that. And uh, I, like you said, I would love to see them do something more like bring back uh, the idea of like the, the Jurassic park safari ride uh, or something like that. Or even with Jurassic world coming out, if the movie is, is good. And with the director's most recent comments, I'm really hoping it'll be good because I awesome. love, yeah, I love the thematic concept he's going for there. Um, but if, if there's some good iconic stuff they can pull from that, I, I could see a real revital- uh, revitalization of that section of the park.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the only I, – I agree with you on that part. I guess something I've always thought about with Jurassic Park, it seems to be you know, theme parks are kind of like this manifestation of capitalism in a way. And I feel like that's kind of commented upon with Jurassic Park. So I always kind of felt it weird, especially like people are like, "Hey, why didn't you put? Why didn't Disney do a WALL-E Land?" <laughs> right. <laughs> now, I, I kind of feel like Jurassic Park is str- straddling between that and Cars Land and Wally Land. It's just kind of this weird area where it's like, yeah, it makes sense, and also it's this weird kind of, you know, conversation satirical. piece. Yeah, satirical conversation thing. piece on theme parks that is not necessarily comfortable. You know. The whole yeah. There. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, No, no, I was, you know, the whole entire idea of, you're not really comfortable with it. So, sorry, you can get it going. Oh,
2: yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a a huge element of uh, social commentary to Jurassic Park and, I I mean, summed up in the line, you were so busy thinking about uh, whether or not you could that you didn't stop to think whether or not you should. And uh, sort of this... uh, capitalism and scientific progress gone crazy uh, and and there's definitely social commentary on theme parks themselves and so to to translate them into a literal theme park does sort of miss the point a little bit uh, but I, I don't think that I, I don't think that is necessarily I don't think it prevents them from still being really neat experiences uh, in something that you can do a literal one-to-one translation of from film to real life without having to do really any compromise. I mean, except for the fact that you don't have real dinosaurs, but there's not much you can do there.
1: Mm-hmm. For now. <laughs> I hope forever. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> I don't um, think I want that to happen after Jurassic Park came
0: out. So. I mean, especially with the next one coming out, they're talking about you know the whole entire idea of uh, technology and you know how we have the world in our pockets basically, mm-hmm. and, and and the real world trying to compete with that. And that's something actually that's happening in theme parks right now. And that's something we're looking at beyond the studio parks is you know how is Disney dealing with the fact that you have the internet and the whole entire communications of the world available in your pocket. And, and it's only limited to how much data you have per month right versus the vis- physical you know simulated space you have right now so I, yeah. I, I think that's an interesting concept so
2: yeah and it's interesting to see the ways that uh, Disney particularly has tried to combat that i mean they've they've invested huge amounts of money in all of these interactive queues to try to uh get people involved in the in the queue rather than just being on their phones or whatever but I for me at least I I get much more out of really strong theming in a queue rather than a game that I can play I mean because I I go to I, I'm a local so I go to Disneyland now basically on a weekly basis and it, it's sort of interesting to note what what cues I'm in where I, I pull out my phone and I'm on Twitter the entire time and what cues where I I, I soak up the atmosphere and I, I really appreciate what's going on around me. And I, I think I mean cues like Indiana Jones Adventure at Disneyland are so well designed that I, I I rarely feel like I need to distract myself. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And also interesting is I never find myself I have to distract myself in the pirates queue there. Even though it's just a bare kind of courtyard. I never feel like I have to distract myself there for some odd reason.
2: Oh yeah, and the the atmosphere of New Orleans Square is just so stinking good that I think that helps a lot.
0: Yeah, true. You know, it, it's a, it's those kinds of things. It's just like bizarre, you know, kind of... Yeah, I, I just find that interesting. So, um... I guess the next question I have is kind of where do we see the future of studio parks going? Like... Well, I- Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, uh, well, the question I had was and, and to expand upon that is um like where is Hollywood Studios going to go? Where is Universal Studios Florida going to Florida going to go? Um where is Hollywood going to go? Uh Universal Studios Hollywood going to go. Um and and kind of tying in where uh um Disney uh, Hollywood Studios is with um Disneyland Paris, their Studios Park too.
2: Right. Um well, I think Universal Studios Florida is offering a really good model of a way to revitalize uh, a studio park. I think what they're doing there right now is really impressive by, uh, by investing a lot into recreating these, uh, worlds from the movies or TV or whatever, where you've got, uh, Springfield from the Simpsons or, uh, London and Diagon Alley from Harry Potter, and uh, making really, really great one-to-one translations as much as possible of those properties in a theme park setting. I think is really helping to make Universal exciting in a way that, uh, it, for me at least, it hasn't been in, uh, in in a long time. I mean, you guys talk about the the dark days or whatever, um, <laughs> but I, I mean, it there's. There's so much going on there right now where I feel so compelled to go back when I haven't been in so long. uh, Where, I mean, five, ten years ago, that uh, compulsion just wasn't really as strong. And uh, I think Disney would do well to take a page from their playbook there. Um, And with Hollywood Studios, what I would really love to see is uh, what, what I think they could do with that park that w- could really work is have the front half of the park be sort of that romanticized version of the golden age of Hollywood, where you have that sort of 1920s, 1930s Los Angeles setting. Uh, you have stuff like The Great Movie Ride and Tower of Terror. Um, I'd love to see them do something uh, referencing like classic gangster films. I think Uh there could be a ton of fun stuff you could do there and then have the, the back of the park where they've currently got all the, where, where they currently have all the, uh, the actual studio stuff that as we've discussed, is not really aesthetically appealing. Uh, have that be the worlds of, uh, sort of the Disney studios. I mean, right now there's, uh, I mean, Disney spent the last five years or whatever buying up other studios uh, to bring under the Disney umbrella. You've got Pixar, you've got Muppets, you've got Lucasfilm, you have Marvel. And I I think there are a lot of interesting possibilities to translate those worlds into real life. I mean, Marvel is complicated by the fact that uh, it's basically impossible to happen at uh, Hollywood studios, but I mean... There's, there's a lot of cool stuff you could do Beyond just throwing Star Wars land in there I mean uh, The other great property they got In the Lucasfilm deal Was Indiana Jones And uh, I, For me personally To embrace Star Wars While uh, at the same time uh, Getting rid of Indiana Jones Seems like uh, A step backward at the same time As it's a step forward and, I mean, they've got Muppets now so that you could totally revitalize the Muppet area, bring back some of the concepts from Muppet Studios. Uh, and having a, a park where it, it, it sort of references the romanticized ideal of what Hollywood was, well, never really was, but what people uh, believed it might have been, and then having... This place where you can enter the world of the movies, I think would be a good way to to bring that park back to life in a way that it hasn't been for a long time, or maybe never even was.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, what would you do with uh, Paris, then? Same kind of thing? I mean, we Uh, may have to do a lot more cosmetic surgery there.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I mean... uh, Again, I've never been to Paris, so I can't comment on it firsthand, but from what I've seen and from what I've heard, it it seems like it's a lot more of a lost cause than uh, even uh, Hollywood Studios is. Um, I would say if they wanted to uh, keep it a studio park, try to do as much of the same thing that I talked about with Hollywood Studios as possible, I would be okay with them just leveling it and starting over, but obviously that's not uh, economically feasible. Uh, So, yeah, I I don't really have a lot of theories on what to do with that park in particular, but I I think what Universal's doing right now with Universal Studios Florida and, to a lesser extent, uh, Universal Studios Hollywood, I think that is the right direction to take studio parks where you're recreating the worlds of movies rather than the, the process that makes them, if that makes sense.
0: I think it makes
1: sense. Nick? Uh, basically, that's what I was thinking. I think that the key with it is to embrace, embrace making it like a real environment and not doing like what they did with Star Tours at, at Hollywood Studios where it's half set, half you know thing make it a full out real place that you can go into that that <laughs> sets the mood for that area um but I, yeah but I, I basically agree with everything that's been said
2: right I, I, again if you people want to people want to believe the illusion they want to believe the magic of it and to have uh constant reminders that this is a facade is going to on some level bother people and, and so that's why the the cl- quote unquote clever little details of having Star Tours be a set have always rung false for me because it it intentionally breaks that illusion.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: Uh, anything else? <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Um. One thing I had a comment um, from talking about uh, with my buddy Bryce uh, <laughs> about Studio Parks it was kind of with Jaws, um, the Jaws attraction at uh, Universal Florida, is the concept of kind of like this weird in between area where you're both part, you, where you're both part of the movie and you're not part of the movie, where mm-hmm. you're where you're this somewhat weird loophole area where you're part of neither
1: um well i think us usf did that to with most of their things because even like back to the future you weren't you weren't back like in riding back to the future but you were in that same type of atmosphere same thing with et you're not experiencing the et movie you're on your own adventure with et it's kind of
0: yeah, but the thing—the thing with Jaws is they actually reference the, the things in the movie, yeah, specifically. And then they talk about like how it may have been a movie or something. I I forget, I forget exactly, but like they mention that specifically, and then you do the exacts—not the exact same thing, but you know that thing happens with
2: you then. Yeah, Jaws Jaws was a weird one uh, because the whole what wasn't the whole backstory of it like. Uh, this is the real Amity and mm-hmm. uh, Spielberg made a movie here, but now maybe there's this real thing happening that is sort of like the movie. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah. that it, That's such a weird concept. And I'm not sure how many people really, I, I mean, outside of like theme park fans who actually are invested in the backstories and stuff like that. I'm not sure how many just average guests really got that part of it because it's, It's a weird concept to go for.
0: Yeah. And it it really doesn't make sense. (laughs) No, it doesn't. It it makes no sense. I mean, at least the idea of you walking from the middle of New York, you know, San Francisco area into King Kong, and you're just all of a sudden graffiti and all these news reports makes somewhat more sense that you're, like, in the movie or in a movie or in a movie-like setting as -hmm. opposed to jaws where it's like yeah this was a movie but all good guys fourth of july party you know that that kind of thing um and even what's weird is that they kind of went to back to the jaws concept with the mummy when they put the mummy in because that was supposed to be a movie set but then these things were happening to you you know Mm -hmm. and they actually try to tie that in together better with the whole entire tour guide you know like you know it's a trap you know Uh, you know that kind of thing
2: yeah, it, it's weird, and I think that is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nick.
1: No, you're fine. I was just oh. gonna say the mummy's kind of a, a special case. It's weird, but <laughs> yeah,
2: it it needs its his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 okay. It's a weird thing. I I think that if you're going to embrace a movie environment, you have to go with it 100. You you can't. You you can't make excuses saying oh maybe this is a movie maybe it's not a movie I we don't really know make make up your mind for yourself you I, I think what what guests really want is the ability to to visit this world that has previously been only fictional and I, I think that's what the appeal is with Wizarding World of Harry Potter and I mean there's definitely things that I've had that desire about I mean I. I play a game like Bioshock and is terrifying a place as Rapture is. I kind of want to visit it in real life. Uh, And I I get the same feeling with, uh, with Hogwarts and Harry Potter. It's, I wish this was a real place so I could go see it. And I think that is the appeal and to be making, uh, and to be undercutting that and saying, ah, maybe it's real. Maybe it isn't. I, I think does a disservice to both the environment and to the guest
0: yeah yeah I agree also it would have been amazing if uh some sort of Bioshock property was a uh, Halloween Horror Nights uh house be oh, that would good. be so good I prefer I prefer um uh uh Columbia than to Rapture but obviously Rapture would probably be the most logical choice for that Um, Columbia would be pretty hard to recreate on the ground yeah (laughs) yeah and plus you enter that when it's you know perfectly fine but you know Columbia is pretty good too so I'm not Columbia, Rapture is pretty good so Um, do we have any other last thoughts for Studio Parks or any concepts or ideas you want to talk about
1: Nick or Dave I'm good
0: well, if, if
2: you wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind talking uh, a little bit about uh, sort of the ways I think uh, lands based on a single property work best. No, uh, I, we would not mind at all. Actually, we probably forgot about it. So, <laughs> uh, because I, I think, I mean, we've we've seen some really good examples of it, and we've also seen some examples that are not the best, and. Uh, I mean, obviously, Wizarding the World of Harry Potter works really well, and that's uh, been extremely popular and extremely successful. And uh, whereas something like a bug's land, like we mentioned earlier, is technically a land based on a single property, which doesn't work as well. Um, And that's probably an understatement. Uh, And so I think what you need is... uh, and, And you guys were talking about this a little bit a few episodes ago uh but you you need something that a has a really iconic visual identity that you can recreate in a theme park so you don't want something that is just kind of generic looking uh I mean because there's a lot of there's a lot of movies and TV shows and whatever that just take place in sort of a city or um a town and it's there's not a lot that's specific to its visual identity where something like Hogwarts, you, you see a picture of it and you're like, okay, that's Hogwarts from Harry Potter. I know what that is. I have a connection to that, that image. And, uh, again, that's, that's sort of, uh, there's a lot of ways that a Bugsland fails, but that's definitely one of them is just the, just being the size of a bug is not necessarily unique to that property. And uh, there's not a lot of iconic visual elements from that movie that you can reference. I like the movie, but uh, when you're trying to pick out one specific thing that you can recreate in a theme park setting, that not a whole lot comes to mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, same thing goes with, uh, with Toy Story. I mean, they've got Toy Story Playland or variations thereof in, what, three parks now? And they're, a- again, the Toy Story movies are good. I like them. But there's not a lot of specific uh, visual elements that are iconic from the movies beyond the characters themselves. I mean, outside of the characters, there's Andy's wallpaper, and that's about it. That's iconic uh-huh.
0: visually. Which is not bad. It's just a different kind of movie.
2: Right, exactly. It's, again, I, I, I like the movies a lot, and that's not a knock on the movies. That's just saying that they're not the best fit for, uh, for being the basis of an entire land in a theme park. Uh, and, and So going to something like Avatar, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that one because that does have a very iconic look, uh, it doesn't necessarily have iconic locations if that makes sense because right. the forest of Pandora is something that I think a lot of people will recognize but you you can't point to specific locations and say oh I I, I remember this building or this specific uh, the specific location from the movie that's something that I I have a real attachment to it's more just a general feel of the look of the entire movie. And so it, for Animal Kingdom, if they were doing something like the other uh, exploration trails or whatever with Avatar, I, I could see that working really well. But when you're trying to bring in things like shops and restaurants and show buildings for rides and integrate them into that environment in a natural way, I, I I'm struggling to imagine how... They can do that in a convincing way without, again, breaking that illusion.
0: I, I think the big pro—I mentioned this last episode. Everyone disagreed with me with uh, Avatar. Just it seems like that movie was all based upon people kind of freaking out about the special effects. That's what I said.
1: I agree with sa- you. With I that. said that.
0: Well, okay, okay, never mind, Nick. I'm sorry. You're quiet. <laughs> By everyone else, I mean Mike and Sean, because they're terrible people. I mean, I the, didn't even go see it in theaters. That's how... Well, I saw it in theaters because I heard awesome things. But, you know, the one negative voice I heard was the AV Club, who was like, guys, is not that good. It's just special effects. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. And, and I feel like that's kind of the now, the normal conversation with that movie. It was just, it looks pretty. Yeah. It, it's it, that, that was it. it. That there was nothing else to it. And I think mm-hmm. that's the problem when... Iger was looking at, buy, at buying into this property for the park was that it was he was looking for the potter you know equivalent and he saw the money he didn't see the actual engrossment and that's something I was actually looking at bringing up as a post is that nope like the search results on Google for avatar versus potter are so remotely different that they cannot it's just unbelievably crazy you know, one is at const like at a constant level of high engagement, and one had a small spike that never reached the higher of the other one. Yeah.
1: It, it, I mean. it just,
0: it's not even remotely f- – it, it's, it's like saying, you know, the best way to combat Star Wars is with, you know, random – with like, I don't know, romancing the stone or something incredibly random. I just pulled that one out of my head. You know, just like <laughs> – Something completely random movie from that time frame that has no relation to it and just did well that one, you know, quarter, you know, that kind of thing. And trying right. to compare it to all of Star Wars. It just right. it, it makes no sense.
2: I, I, I suspect that Avatar happened because uh, James Cameron was shopping around the theme park rights to it. And uh, after Disney lost... Potter to Universal, I think they didn't want to lose something else to Universal. And so I I, I can't imagine Disney approaching James Cameron on that one. I, I bet James Cameron was shopping it around. Uh, and, and so I, I think that's how that ended up happening. Whether or not that's a good thing, I, I don't think it is necessarily. Um, because, like you said, there's there's not a lot to grab onto. The characters are all uh, one note: the the story is paint by numbers. The the thing that people grabbed onto were the visuals, the the special effects, and the visual design of Pandora itself. And so, recreating that visual design is something that could be powerful in a theme park. But the rest of it, I'm I'm not sure what else there is to offer. Uh, again, like I was saying, with if they were to do like like a single attraction or one of the uh, exploration trails through the forest of Pandora. I could see that being really cool. But when you are trying to bring in characters from the movie or uh, specific locations, I am not sure what you grab onto
0: without feeling sort of forced. I mean, a good, a good way to compare it is like with Potter. It's like, everyone's like, I'm not attracted. Just, it, I'm, I like the look, of the of the movies but i'm not necessarily say like yes i want to see tilted buildings so i'm gonna go mm-hmm. to harry potter world you know it's like i like light up plants so i'm gonna go to you know avatar land yeah. you know it's it's that's not the thing you know it's i go i, I go there because it looks cool or i'm interested in it and then i come back be- and i stay coming back because of the experiences i is. have so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not against the idea that avatar land could be good I'm not against the idea that it could be good because it could be very good and, you know, awesome and just blow away anything the movies could do. But unfortunately, with the with the track record, as we talked previously before with the other studio parks and with Cars Land, I feel like it'll be very one-dimensional designed for the family that comes out every five to ten years. Yep. Right, and and
2: that's another part of the problem is that Disney right now seems to to relish taking the the cheap method. I mean, they they currently have uh, the biggest animated hit of all time on their hands, and the the current rumor for that one is that it's just going to be an overlay of Maelstrom. And it's like, what are you guys doing? You have this thing that people are clearly wanting more of. You have five hour plus lines for the Anna and Elsa meet and greet. And you're just shoving it in an already reasonably successful ride, and uh, as Mike would say, it does nothing.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and you have people who are lining up at like Disney stores during the normal day, on like mm-hmm. a Wednesday to go buy this stuff, random merchandise, yeah. just at a Disney store in you know Midwest Ohio. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it, it's it's crazy. I've I've heard from people that this is. Like, the biggest thing that has hit the Disney store since they've opened.
2: Oh, I'm sure. it's.
0: It, this is a, a
2: ginormous pop culture phenomenon right and, now.
0: And they're not looking to say, hey, let's tear out... Uh, you know what would be a really good idea? Let's tear out the Tomorrowland Speedway. And let's That's just it. put in Anna and, Elsa, Anna and Elsa Land and build, like, this... Like, build, like, a, a B ticket, Olaf spin, and build a restaurant, and build, like... You know, the little, you know, shop that they stop at in the middle of their trip. You know, it's like, hello, welcome to the shop. You know, that thing. And then, you know, build Pick this... Pick ma-
1: up in
0: Yeah, exactly. And then, <laughs> which is the best character in the movie, by the way. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, build this massive e-ticket, you know, trackless ride system through the whole movie, you know. No, they're not doing that. They're just, just you know, they're going to add a few audio, audio animatronics and do a layover of Maelstrom. It's like, what are you doing? Right. I mean, even even if they didn't
2: want to invest the money in doing a whole mini land, even if they just did, uh, built its own dedicated dark ride, not an overlay of something else, but built something from the ground up for frozen, that would be so much better than just shoving it somewhere where it doesn't fit. Uh, and where they can, they're limited in what they can do with it because they, I mean, no matter what they're, no matter what they do, if they do it in the Maelstrom building, they're building on the skeleton of Maelstrom. It's designed for something else. Yes. And so it will
0: never really get the attention that it deserves. And, and and as you mentioned before, you said they want to build something cheap. The problem with Imagineering right now, and this is something that, you know, we could harp on forever. And, you know, people can disagree with us because, again, it's an opaque kind of situation, is that Imagineering's become incredibly bloated. It's, right. the, it's this kind of... I don't know, it, it feels like it's sort of like the corpse in the river. It's just kind of, you know, coming bloated and purple. And, you know, everyone's kind of glommed onto it because it's this mysterious thing that creates magic. And, yes, I want to be part of the, the mysterious thing that creates magic. So you have a bunch of people who do nothing and just raise up the price of every project. So when you they want to do something that's economical, it ends up being cheap. It doesn't. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't become you know value. It does. It just becomes plain old cheap.
2: Yeah, it, it's it, it's interesting, like you said, because I, I I use the term cheap sort of from like a, a design standpoint. Uh, but you're you're right. These things have horrifically inflated budgets and build times. And I, I mean, from everything I'm hearing, uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is a solid attraction, but there is no reason for that to cost as much as it did or to take as long to uh design and build as it did it it's just they there's so much mismanagement right now in WDI and i it, it's really frustrating because they have the potential to do amazing stuff and instead they're just Sort of taking middle of the road
0: ideas and spending a lot of money on them. Mm -hmm. As as someone said, it's like, isn't it great that Imagineering is like taking, you know, D and C tickets and make and theming them like E tickets? I'm like, yeah, that's great, but they're never building E tickets. (laughs) Yeah, I mean mean, mean, that's a thing.
2: (laughs) I mean, we had uh, Radiator Springs Racers in California Adventure, but what's the last? Proper e-ticket that was built prior to that in any of the uh, American parks was was it Expedition Everest?
0: Yeah, it was probably Everest. Is the closest thing we came to it?
1: I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um,
0: I mean, I bet I bet your people try to convince us that Toy Story Midway Mania is an e-ticket, but that's like a
2: d-ticket, and it's it's not. It's a detail. I mean, I, I enjoy it, but it, you're you're just riding a vehicle past rows of flat screens. It's it's not an e-ticket,
1: right?
0: Pull the lever. And test, pull the lever.
1: <laughs> and test track was just an overlay, so that doesn't right. count.
0: Well, test track. Well, the original one came out in ninety
1: nine, two thousand. So yeah, that was, well, that's why I meant. The, the yeah. new version is, was just an overlay, so it wouldn't count.
2: Right, and, and Soren was a port from DCA, so that doesn't really right. count.
1: Yeah, I mean it's that kind of which, situation. Which Soren was before Everest, anyway.
0: And before, but the only e-ticket before uh, Everest you can get to is a uh, Mission Space, and that one was give or take, you know, successful.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's just so, uh, it, it's crazy. I mean, and we we talked about this on Twitter a little bit, but I mean, at Disneyland they just did another price hike, and. Uh, they have added nothing of substantial value between now and the last one. It's, I mean, they did the major uh, refurbishment of Big Thunder Mountain, which is really good, but that's not, I. that's questionable whether that counts as added value. And the rest of it has just been like meet and greets and stuff. And yeah, those are fine, but does it justify, uh, another price increase
0: yeah what what was the price was there any price increases for annual passes i know they suspended um the normal annual pass for california residents but did they do any price hikes for them
2: yeah they they did price hikes on them i i can't remember what the exact numbers are uh but yeah every everything got bumped up in price and then they suspended the uh southern california passes and i'm hearing that they're getting ready to phase those out entirely but we'll see which would not
0: surprise me at all no Um, it wouldn't surprise me either i think well and and also not not to time this podcast at all but today uh universal raised their annual pass holder rates too by 15 dollars (laughs) right 15 dollars 15 bucks a year
2: right and i mean i i think they're also probably overpriced but at least they can justify a raise in I, prices because they're doing stuff. Do you know how much their annual passes cost? They're I not, they're <laughs> not that much. <laughs> well, I I I'm not looking at an, annual passes as much as I'm looking at just uh the like Oh, just the regular admission, yeah. Yeah, just the regular
0: admission. I can um, I can agree with that. The regular admission I think is bullshit. Across the board. In every single the, park, the it's bullshit. I yeah. think I think 2-day admission Park to park and anything is bullshit. I really mm. think that I'm mean, I think at Universal, I'm still seeing like. I think last time it was park to park. Today was 150 bucks. Yeah,
1: it's it's yeah. Too That's
0: much. insane. Yeah, I I'm sorry, but
2: as much as I love theme parks, no theme park is worth 100 dollars a day.
0: No theme park. Nope. I mean. Maybe Tokyo Disney C, but they're not charging that much because they're, no. you know, <laughs> the, uh, good times. Anyway, um yeah. Anything else you want to talk about before we kind of spin this off into a random rant cast of <laughs> price hikes and everything and all that jazz? Well, do we do we want to
2: tackle Star Wars a little bit more since that's yes. The,
1: let's do a potential thing.
2: Yeah,
0: sure, let's do it.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm gonna um Are I'm you? gonna bow out gracefully. Oh, gonna you're gonna you been? Yeah, I'm gonna let y'all go ahead ah. and keep on going. Um it's been great. Um keep going. I look forward to listening to the rest, guys. Okay.
0: Let me see if i Huckle's on real quick and see if he can join us. But nick, thank you very much. Where can we find you
1: online, by the way? Parkscope Nick on Twitter. Cool. Good night, guys. Take care. Yeah, see ya. Nice talking to you, Nick. Cool. Let's uh, tackle some
0: Star Wars um, real quick. I'm seeing if John, Sean can join us, because he said he was busy, so let's see if he can possibly join us in a little bit, because he's the Star Wars guy. Oh, he's at a bar right now. Lame. Hold on. I'm going to type this out in capital letters. Lame. There we go. <laughs> Sent it to him. Oh, he's at Quiz right now. Lame. 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 <laughs> He's, he, he's at a quiz thing right now, so just, just, just so you know that I'm more important than everyone. I'm going to tweet at him, lame as well. <laughs> awesome. You know what? Peer pressure is the best thing in the world. It really is. There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, and then, and so, then Mike just tweeted. And then Mike just responded to our iMessages thing, saying, "You, you all don't understand my pain." <laughs> 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 okay, sorry. Um, let's talk Star Wars a little bit. Do you want to start it off real quick?
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, so the the big question with Star Wars is uh, if they do a Star Wars land, what are they going to do? Because that that universe is so big that uh, how do you condense it all into just one land? And y- you guys have talked about this a little bit. Um, but for me, I think the interesting thing about Star Wars is. The most iconic element of it, at least from the original trilogy, and that's all I really want to talk about, um, is uh, is the actual stars part of it. It's the stuff that takes place in space. It's the it's the X wings and the Death Star and uh, stuff like that. When you when you actually go down to the planets, most of them are pretty one note, uh, and that's that's the interesting challenge with. Building a land based on Star Wars Is that most of the interesting Stuff happens In a place that isn't on land
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, If I had to choose One environment from the movies To design a land On I would prob- is Played out as it is I would probably Have to go with Tatooine just because it has The most iconic Places in the series, I mean, you've got Jabba's Palace, you've got uh, all the these stuff, you have the Moisture Farm, so there's stuff you can do with that, but that that's the interesting challenge, uh, because, I mean, you have the Rebel base on Hoth and the Rebel base on Yavin 4, but I, I'm not sure if either of those are necessarily environments that would be that More interesting. Supportive?
0: Yeah, of, of, that kind would,
2: of, whole, of a whole land, right? Exactly. Yeah, and I, I mean, you could you could kind of do the new fantasy land thing and sort of do a, a greatest hits montage, but I think that would do a disservice to the to the property. I,
0: I just I I feel with Star Wars is they just pick something that's incredibly hard to reproduce. I feel like yeah. that's a, not another issue with Avatar is that massive floating mountains. Mm-hmm. not an easy thing to actually produce in real life. <laughs> you know, it, it's that kind of thing. Um, and I, I just feel like I can't see it working unless you kind of just build a giant death star and kind of just like invite people in and then kind of suspend, you know, suspend reality and send people away or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, it's,
2: it, it'll it be interesting to see what they want to do with it because I, I, I'm trying to think of a way where they could do it without it being a horrible mismatch. I mean, and the only thing I could think of is sticking with one specific location. and But then you're going to get a bunch of fans disappointed because it's like, oh, well, Tatooine's nice and all, but I, I really wanted to visit these other places too. And so it, it sort of seems like a no-win situation there.
0: And And, and you know when... When, when this is going to be implemented, you're going to get the, you know, the spinner, you know, the, the spinner um, pot racers, you know, kind of ride. And you can get, yeah. get all these lame, you know, additions. And it's, they're going to try out some and justify it. And they're going to have the cantina that's like five times too big. And they're going to have, you know, blue milk and all that stuff. And it, it just seems it's going to be, again, like just artificially inflated, I feel like.
2: Yeah. And I, I think th- and granted that that's one of the problems I have I, I, with uh, Wizarding World in theory. I mean, again, I haven't been there, so I don't know how it works in person. But I I dislike the fact that uh, two of the three uh, rides in uh, Wizarding World at Islands of Adventure are just sort of naked roller coasters.
0: Yeah, though that that's the prior sins of a generation. So
2: right, and and I and I, I get that, uh, but it, it is something that I think is a little bit disappointing. And I'm glad that they're not doing that with Diagon Alley and they're keeping everything as close to an accurate representation from the books and the movies as possible. And I think if, if Disney is to try to tackle Star Wars, they need to do that as much as possible. They they need, to, they need to create the world of the movies and uh, tailor their ride plans to the world of the movies rather than uh, try to slap the movies onto a previously designed ride system.
0: Which, I'm again, I'm fearing they're going to do because, I mean, we have the Tron bike ride coaster in, in Shanghai that's coming. Oh, I'm I'm sure that uh, And I'm afraid they're just gonna, you know, apply that and they're gonna plop it down right where, you know uh blah, 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 Indiana Jones is and they're gonna somehow reskin, you know, Star Tours so it's like this like a brick building now, you know, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, i I'm, I'm sure Disney again, Disney likes to take the path of least resistance whenever possible. And so if they have uh, if they have a Tron coaster already designed, it's a lot easier to adapt that to Star Wars than to come up with a completely new ride system. Yep. I mean, and and you even see that in uh, Cars Land, at California Adventure. They already have the the test track ride system, and so it, it's easy to put the cars stuff on on top of that and radiator springs racers is obviously a better version of that than test track is but it's still just a recycling of a a ride mechanic that was already in effect
0: well i feel like for in all honesty though that i feel like that actually does apply to the rides to the actual theme of the movies better than you know just motorbike coaster right um I feel like the better example of just misapplying that technology is more rocket rods, but um, that's... Good point. That, that, that's a different... I, I just feel like um, Radio Springs Racers is a bad example. I, I would say it's more like um, Aladdin and using the Dumbo ride system.
2: Yeah, that's that's probably a fair which, point. Which
0: is at Disney and the, and the Paris Park. It's just, you know, it's like, now you're on a carpet! Yeah, yeah. you can fly! Go fly on your carpet and have and, and avoid the camel spitting at you. <laughs> you know it's that kind of thing, right? And
2: and it's it's a way that they can say, oh, we we put Aladdin into the parks, but it doesn't really get to the spirit of what Aladdin is, and it it it, it still really doesn't feel like Aladdin has much of a presence there, even though there's technically an attraction based on it.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have anything else to say, I guess, then. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think I've covered basically
0: all I have. We've been talking about 90 minutes about studio parks. <laughs> that seems pretty decent. Yeah, I, I feel like we're good now. <laughs> <laughs> so where on the interwebs can we find you, Dave?
2: Um, I am on Twitter, mostly. I am at Illusion of Life. Uh, the O is spelled the O in of is spelled obnoxiously with a zero. Because uh, you're Elite Hacksor. Yes, exactly. Um, and then I also have a blog that I don't update nearly as often as I should. It's uh, Illusion of Life, spelled the same way as my Twitter handle, dot dot wordpress. com. So you can check me out there and maybe bug me when I don't update it as often as I should.
0: Yeah, there you go. And follow him on Twitter because he's a good follow and he retweets a bunch of stuff with movies too. So that's always good. So follow 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 um you can find me at parkscope joe on twitter you can find all of us at parkscope um everyone else does not matter because they haven't joined me tonight so (laughs) screw them all screw you guys i'm going home um yeah leave us a review on itunes so uh i don't know kungaloosh how do you want to end this how do you want to sign off dave Uh, kungaloosh love everybody hate everything (laughs) <laughs> works for me wow geez you're you're just fitting right in and, and you, <laughs> yeah we're gonna hire you instead of mike because mike's obviously deserting us so yeah take that mike so you so, guys so would that make me ringo uh more like yoko
2: ono <laughs> uh, no no i'm just kidding I'll, uh, I'll 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 be the the downfall of parkscope
0: um uh, i we don't i think that'll be Derek bergen <laughs> <laughs> we, we th- i think that's Derek. so uh we'll, we'll see you guys later bye